will flip Bibles to Matthew 7, 21 to 23. And also 1 Peter 1, 13 to 16. So Matthew 7, 21 to 23, we'll read that first. And then we go to 1 Peter 1, 13 uh, to 16. Before we read, though, we have our declaration. Please hold your Bibles up. And it says, this is God's word. Say after me. It's not Pastor Ray's word. I, can, I am what it says I am. Sorry. I can do what it says I can do. I can be what it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, my ears are open, and I better not go to sleep. I will never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. So I read you follow. St. Matthew 7, 21 to 23 says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Second section, Peter 1, 13 to 16, says, Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lust, as in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct because it is written be holy for I am holy Father we thank you now for your word spirit of the living God we commit ourselves to you even now speak through me Father and cause the words that go forward will, will, it will go forward with clarity and with great understanding that people will be edified empowered and challenged today in Jesus' name Amen. You may, you may be seated. We, we continue a series that was started last week by Brother Deslan. Um, so this is the second part of the series, Holiness. And this one is titled, God's children's minds are girded. God's children's minds are girded. The, the first passage, Matthew 7, 21 to 23, I copied from last week's sermon, and Deslan said that it is one of the most frightening passages in the entire Bible. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my father. He also used the passage where 
the mother of Jesus went and tried to reach him in a crowd. And his message to her was, it is not because we are related gives you access. It is because you do God's will. So, so relatives didn't work. Not because mommy means she was allowed to go in. He's saying, my real family, mother, father, brother, sister, cousin, my real family are those who do the will of the father. Amen? So, Brother Deslan gave us a couple of things last week that he, he says are God's will for us. And one of them he shared was 1 Peter 1, 13 to 16. That God's will for us is to be, to be holy. Amen? God wants us to be, to be holy. The word holy comes from the Greek word hagios, H-A-G-I-O-S. It's used over 200 times in the New Testament. It's an adjective that describes things, that, like we know, right? The adjective describes um, nouns, people, place, or things. So it is used in conjunctive. It's used with something. So, for example, you would find in the Bible a holy day, or you'd find a, a holy person, a holy being. Um, you'd find holy mountains, holy ground. So those are just the word being used to describe a thing or a person. God is holy. And we see that several times, right? And there is God's Holy Spirit in the Bible. So the word holy is not really a, a religious word. It means to be different, to be unlike the rest. So, so my gown is unlike yours. So you could say I have on a holy garment this morning, right? Different from everybody else's own. But it's not because me have it on makes it holy. It's because it's just different from what you have on. It, it, the word also means set apart to be specifically used. So I've only worn this to a wedding that I did some, some time ago. Two weddings and today is the third time I wear it. I think, if I remember right, you know, I'm not so young like all this. But it is only worn in these. I wouldn't wear this to work, right? And you wouldn't see me going to a market in this either. So this is a holy garment. It is for a specific use and purpose. All right? So, so there are people, I don't know if when you were growing up, you had church shoes different from going on shoes. Anybody? So you had holy shoes because it is just for church. You can't wear that go nowhere. Right? Amen. So the word holy is not really a religious word. It just means anything that is set apart for a specific purpose. That's a holy thing. A person who is different from everybody else is a holy person, right? So, for example, in Exodus chapter 3, verse 5, Moses was told, take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. Now, the ground was holy because God's presence was right there. Amen? So that means you don't find every ground and call it holy ground. There was just that place where God's presence was that made it holy. God had a holy mountain, and it's because his presence was on that mountain why it was considered to be a holy mountain. In the New Testament, several times people are called saints. S-A-I-N-T-S. Saints means 
holy people, holy ones. So it means believers, Christians are saints. We are holy people because we have been saved by God. So we become separated and different from everybody else. Hence, Paul reminds us in Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 6 and 17 and says, Therefore, come out from among them. Be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. So God is saying, be separate, be different from everybody else. But unfortunately, some of us who are saved people, baptized people, are not yet separated from the world. We still have that part of us where we like things over there so much that we have not come out from among them. Before you try to figure out who in here are talking about, let's, let's bring it individual. Am I honoring the vows I made to the Lord? Because it means if I'm not honoring the vows I made to the Lord, then I'm one of those who are not yet out from among them. If you are not honoring the vows you made to the Lord, it also means that you are one of the persons who is yet to come out from among them. Amen? Amen? So in the first Peter text that we read, Peter gave some valuable instructions as to how we can ensure that we are honoring God, the vows we made to God, and how we may come out from among, among them, to be separate. It starts with the word, therefore. And one of the things they taught us when, when studying at, at Bible school is wherever you see the word, therefore, you have to ask the question, what is therefore, therefore? Because it means something above relates to what it's going to be saying afterwards. In this, the sermon last week, Brother Deslan shared that the sovereign will of God is twofold, or the will of God is twofold. There's a sovereign will of God, and that there is the will of man, as a part of man's responsibility, is, is his word, right? So the first thing to note is that the sovereign, absolute, decreed, and determined will of God cannot be altered or thwarted by any created being. He says it, and that is, it's done. So God's word, God's decree cannot be changed, all right? Job 42.2 says, I know you can do everything and no purpose of yours can be withheld from you. This he said, talking about God. The second thing uh, Sir Desland said is God's will for man is accomplished through human responsibility. That is the obedience of man. So, so God's part, we have a part as, as well to play, right? So in the text, in the, in the book of 1 Peter, Peter skillfully explained the greatness of salvation in the early chapter, early parts of the chapter, which shows God's sovereignty, the part that God fixed that we really had nothing to do with it. Here, here it goes. Verses 1 and 2, it writes, it reads, To the pilgrims of the, dis of the dispersion in Pontius, Galatia, Cappadonia, Dosia, Asia, and Bithynia, 
elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, in sanctification of the Holy Spirit, for obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. So two words in this I want to highlight. Number one is pilgrims. Pilgrim is used as strangers or, or foreigners. It's saying that we are really not from where we are. We are just passing through. All right? We are not from here. We just, we just debout for the time being. The second word is elect. It means we were chosen or we were selected by God. So even though we, we, we've said it and we've, you know, declared it that I gave my life to Jesus. I gave my heart to Jesus and people invite you to come and give your life. Don't, don't feel too special. God chose you. It's not that you gave because you can, you can walk away and didn't surrender to Jesus. Amen? There are several people who hear the message, hear the gospel and didn't surrender. So, so they, 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 because he chose you is why you surrender. You were picked out to be in the number on that day. Amen? So you are strangers in this land, and you are specially selected by God uh, for this season. So Peter warning, warns us not to get too comfortable, don't you? Remember that we are first citizens of God's kingdom and not of this corrupt world. Now, I believe that any time we get that solid in our minds, it will change how we behave. It will change how we live. We are strangers on earth. We are pilgrims. We're passing through. We are representatives of God's kingdom. Note also in the verses 1 and 2, our salvation was accomplished by the entire Godhead. You see, the Father's choosing and destining us. You see the Holy Spirit sanctifying us. And you see the sun sprinkling, washing of the blood of Jesus, right? So all members of the Godhead is involved in our salvation. Continuing verse 3 through 5, Peter gives us, gave us groans for rejoicing. He said, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that does not fade away. It's reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last days. Now, I'm going to ask to make some notes. These are not on the handout you got, but, but these are important to make notes of, right? The first thing you want to note from these verse is that we have received abundant mercy. Abundant mercy. It is said that grace is getting what we don't deserve, while mercy is not getting what we do deserve. So grace, God's grace, God gives us grace, right? We, we, we are getting what we do not deserve. And his mercy is not giving us what we truly deserve. Isn't that good? Isn't that good? So here's a question for you. Have you ever failed God? Nod and smile. If you are, no, only three people nod what he said. 
How about this side? Have you ever failed God? With nod and smile. Wonderful. So we fail God in how we think, how we say, and what we do. Many times we fail God. There's a song that Danny McCurkin sings. It said, great is your mercy towards me. I can't sing, so don't expect a partner to come up there. But, but, but great mercy. Great, imagine knowing that you shouldn't, but you still did. And God still forgives. Imagine knowing you shouldn't say, but still did. And God forgave you. Secondly, we have been given the new birth. We have been born again. Justified. Like nothing wrong ever happened in our lives before. That's gift of God. And thirdly, we have a living hope. We get to look forward to an expectation ahead of us that God has prepared for us. We have resurrection from the dead. Because Jesus got up, we too will get up. Amen? We have an incorruptible inheritance. It means the inheritance we have looking forward to can never perish. It never spoils. And it never fails. We have really a lot to be grateful for. Amen? We have been shielded through faith. That's verse 5. The word shield means to be kept. God is keeping us. The word keep or kept in this verse means, this is a military word. It means to be guarded, to, be, to maintain a watch or to provide security. Note also in the verses that we are, our salvation is threefold. We are saved, we are being saved, and we will be saved. Make note of that, please. We are saved, we are being saved, and we will be saved. So the minute you say yes to Jesus, instantly there's salvation of your spirit. Quick, bam, sudden, immediately. But then we are being saved, our soul is being saved, or being changed daily as we grow in the Lord. And then when Jesus is revealed, our bodies will be changed. So we'll get a new body. So the one we have is only good for down here, sir. So we'll take it out. It don't have no other purpose when you finish with earth, right? Verses 6 and 7 says we have the ability to rejoice even during suffering. Let me ask you a question. If you had a choice, would you choose to have rough days? Anybody? Would you pick up? Just tough, challenging days. Anybody? No? No, see, no, nothing. Praise the Lord. Anybody on this side would pick tough days. All right. Because nobody wants to go through tough times. The, the, the author says we would all pick cruise control, like smooth sailing cruise. There's only one problem with that. Nobody grows in, in, in cruise control. You, you will not move from the level you're at if there is no challenge to go through. And everybody wants to grow, right? Our faith grows when we encounter circumstances that push us out of our comfort zones and push us closer to God, cause us to depend and rely on God some more. Romans 8.29 says, all things work together for good, right? So we know that. So we have to go through the challenging season. That's a part of the all things. 
So Peter put it like this. We have to go through that process like gold. No, nobody wants to buy, what they call it, wash over, fake gold. But the process to get genuine gold is hard. It goes through a boiling, a heating process. And they keep skimming off and skimming off and heating some more and skimming until all the dross is removed and you have pure gold. Nobody wants to buy if it is not pure. Or you don't pay much for it if it is not pure. So it has to go through that process until it gets to the perfect state where we are willing now to spend money to own peace. An unrefined ore, that's O-R-E, has only value in potential. So people who dig for gold, when they find that raw piece, is only potentially valuable. It don't really have no value yet. After it goes through that heating and, and, and skimming process, it becomes refined and ready to be used. Can I say to us then that until we go through some challenges, we are only good in potential, like you can be good and you can become something great, but until you go through some challenges, until you are refined, you are still only good potentially. But in reality, you don't go through nothing yet. Bishop Jx said that, that he met a gentleman who was married for about three years and said he wanted to write a book about marriage. And him said, <laughs> wait a little bit first. Because you know, there is no way to tell we what about marriage. Because you have to go through something. You have to go through challenges. You have to face some obstacles before you want to turn around and tell us how it works. I mean, people married 20 years and still don't forget how it gets much more, much more three years, right? So Peter also said that we have joy inexpressible and full of glory in verses 8 to 9. Inexpressible means you can't even talk how much joy you get from being saved. It's like your salvation is so solid that you can hardly explain how you feel. Sometimes when people around you are stressed and upon pull out them here, you're smiling and you're rejoicing and you're sing praise. And people wonder, so how are you happy when everybody is sad? Because you have a joy that they don't have. No, he explained it and used it. It is inexpressible and full of glory. The word glory is doxa in the original language. And it means the weightiness of God. The bright, shining radiance that comes from God's presence. Have you ever been in a location and somebody just come and ask you if you're a Christian? But but just, just speak you out. No, you weren't singing. You never had a Bible. You never quote no scriptures. But they just walk up to you and say, Are you a Christian? It's because there are times when the radiance of God just, just come from you. You sit down in a, and you just look peaceful. And they say, yeah, man, this, this one is it. That's what's supposed to happen for us. We are supposed to be so different that wherever we go, it shows that we belong to the Lord. Amen? The second part done is the instructions that we get in these verses from 13 to 16, the Apostle Paul shares our responsibility in this whole process of becoming holy. So he says this. 
gird up the loins of your mind. Gird up the loins of your mind. Your notes would have prepared for battle. So now I get to why I look like this. Your pastor said, wouldn't want this just, just like me. Earlier on, I went to, to, to restroom and figured, said, boy, the women have a lot to go through to, to move so much fabric, right? So, so this is why I have it all. The, the old folks girding up the lines is they wore clothes like this. So even soldiers had on them long suits. Now, for a soldier to fight, he has to be prepared. Be prepared. Put on this for a second. Girding up means That's the whole girding process, the, the girding. However, old folks used to wear clothes, long clothes like this one. What Peter said to us is gird the mind. Prepare the mind for battle. It means move the things that prevent you from really taking on a battle in your mind. So moving everything. So you have some thoughts in your mind. That needs to go. Some some concept, some some mindset, you know, what they used to call it stinking thinking in them days. You you have some things in your mind that cause you not to be able to fight. So you're moving the things away that is going to prevent you from fighting. Do you know that the mistake we make a lot of times? is we try to fix up the outside, even as Christians. So I don't know if you've ever tried to witness to somebody and they tell you, let me fix up myself first. I want some more time to straighten up some stuff. The next time somebody tell you, tell them, say, I waste them, I waste them time. We can't fix up ourselves for God. I mean, even where we see it for 20 years, we still have issues that God's working out of us much more for me to fix up myself. So God has to fix you. So when God says, come, come, sure. And he will do the changing. He'll do the transforming. Just, just, just go to him. So now, all customs, people would try to change how they dress, how they, how they you know, fix up them outside. But that's external. That is not preparing for, for battle. It is a mind war. Um, we were talking earlier on. Joyce Mayer did a book years ago, The Battlefield of the Mind. It, it's internal. If your mind is free, you're free. If you are winning in your mind, you win. If you're losing in there, you're losing. The battlefield is in the mind. So we have to put the work in there, right? So Peter points to the source of our sin. It's our thoughts that cause the problems. It's how we think causes the problems. In Luke 6 45, um, it reads for out of the abundance of the heart mouth speaks. Another one says out of the abundance of the heart flows the issues of life. It is internally, right? In Romans 12 verse 2, we read do not be conformed to the world 
but be transformed by renewing your mind. The renewing of your mind is the same thing as girding up the lines of your mind. Getting things out of the way that prevent you from being effective. Moving whatever mindset, whatever thinking patterns you have that may cause you not to be effective in your walk with the Lord. Amen? Peter also says, be sober. Be sober. Sober is opposite to, to drunk. Now, I know you're nice, nice Christian people, so you never get drunk yet. Praise the Lord Jesus, right? I got drunk one time, some years ago, long, long, long time. My 18th birthday, I decided to just try everything they had in the bar. So, you know, I beat juice the night, had some drinks. And the morning, I was shown the mess I created. And that was when I decided that it was never happen again. Never happen again. I lost control of me that night. Never knew a thing the morning. So I figured that don't go on the road again. So, so while I still have a drink every now and then, I have never gone back to such a state. And I said that was when I was 18 years old. And I passed 18 or next time already, anyway. <laughs> and I have not gone back. Because control, have, losing control is dangerous. Now, he used drunkenness and soberness here as, you know, figurative. Because we're not talking about drinking here. We're talking about in your mind. But do you know that you can have issues that cause your mind to behave or be drunk? You can have problems that you behave like you're under some lick of stooges, that you lose control, you lose focus, you lose perspective. So he's saying, be sober. Keep your mind at that space where you have full control of what's happening in your head. There are people now walking Ochi Road, St. Bay Road, Johnstone Road, all those people walking roads because they have lost their mind. There are people who take up drinking and smoking and drugs and other stuff because of issues that they're dealing with that they couldn't manage. We as believers have an advantage. We have a hope that one day we'll see Jesus as he really is. We are saved, and so we have God's help to go through the problems we face. That means we don't have to lose control of our minds. We don't have to get into that drunk state that people outside of Christ can go after. I still say it all the while. We are seen because we are saved. In, in especially now with COVID-19 upon us, there are people losing their minds left, right, and center. I, I, I work at a school and I have children I have to be counseling and I'm not the guidance counselor. There are children whose homes are so chaotic now that some people want to run away. But run go where? But it is getting so rough that they don't know what else to do. They don't know where to turn because help not at home. So you'll have to be guiding people say, all right, talk with the counselor. You're trying to, you know, come up with ways to help, to get help for people. Because it's, we're in a tough time. But as believers, we have 
to lean on Jesus because we can get help to go through the issues that comes with life. Amen? We have support from him as we navigate through these tough times. Peter says, we have to hope fully on the grace of God. Now, he says fully because you can have double-mindedness and you want good thing and want good out kind of situation. We have to be fully hoping on the grace that comes from believing in Jesus Christ. So here are the importance. Let me list a couple of things. The importance of preparing our minds for action. First one it is, it's important to prepare our minds because God commands it. Without preparation, it is impossible to serve God as he commands it. If we do not prepare, we will be ill-equipped to stand against sin, growing further from God rather than closer to him. Because issues can distract you. So we have to be prepared. We prepare ourselves first by loving God. Matthew, sorry, Mark 12, 30 says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, right? All your strength. Secondly, have your mind set on God's interest rather than man's interest. We read in, Mar- in Matthew 6, 33, says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all things shall be added unto you. All right? So seek God's interests. Go after God's interests first. And thirdly, do God's work. For we are his workmanship, Ephesians 2, 10, 10 tells us. Created in Christ Jesus for good work, which God prepared beforehand, we should walk in them. Then, seek knowledge. Seek knowledge. Proverbs 15, 14 says, The heart of him who has understanding seeks knowledge, but the mouth of fools feed on foolishness. So seek knowledge. Go after knowledge. Knowledge of God. eh? Then, do not defile ourselves. Do not defile ourselves. I read from Daniel um, 1 verse 8 says, But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portions of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. In the New Testament, Jesus said, It is the things that comes from us defiles us, and not what we put in, right? So we have a difference in in perspectives. Be humble rather than being haughty. Philippians 2 verse 3 says, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Amen? So be, be humble. How do we prepare our minds, you might ask? I'm going to give you five important factors that we use to prepare our minds for actions. The first one, study 
learn and apply God's word. Study, learn, and apply God's word. Peter 1, 1 Peter 1 verse 2 says, Like newborn babes, we long for the pure milk of the word, so that we may grow in respect to salvation. 2 Timothy 3, 16 tells us that the word, God's word, equips us for every good work. It is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and training in righteousness. So God's word is important. The second thing is we renew our minds. Romans 12, verse 2. Renew our minds, right? So do not be conformed to the world but be transformed by the renewing. Now, the first point relates to this one. Renewing the mind is, I remember doing computer at high school, and the first day we got to class, G-I-G-O in big letters was on the board. G-I-G-O. Garbage in, garbage out. So you have to be putting in God's word, which is going to be coming out. No, God's word going in is going to be moving the other stuff you have. So all those thinking, thinking I mentioned earlier on will come out when you start to put God's word in. All right? So you have a more godly perspective on life. Your mindset will be more God-focused than on world or man-focused. Amen? Renew the mind. So we conform our minds to the doctrine of Christ through the knowledge revealed in his word. We diligently put Christ's doctrine into practice. We do what it says, whereby God abundantly supplies an entrance into the eternal kingdom of Jesus Christ. So you, 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 you practice, you do what it says as, you, as your mind is being renewed. Thirdly, be stimulated to love and good works by assembling with the saints. Be stimulated to love. As you study God's word, as you get into God's house among God's people, you are encouraged to love each other. You are encouraged to show love. Because, you know, people say, we love you, but, you know, you know, you know see nothing. You, you have to demonstrate it, right? So be encouraged. And then the assembling, your coming together is very important. Very, very important. And, and I like the physical Coming together. I, I said earlier on a secret, so don't tell nobody, right? That I prefer coming out than online service. I, I like coming to the house. No, I won't drop asleep in here, so. Regardless of how tired I am. But if you leave me nice to tea, it possibly means that the amen might wake me up. I like coming here. I also like the fellowship of the friends when I come here. I, I said earlier on that I've learned a lot just from standing up downstairs and talk. Sometimes I sit down in the office and reason. I learned some things that I wasn't exposed to at Bible school. I learned in some reasoning with some brethren. The fellowship is important. And I sometimes wonder, how comes people come church and not connect with nobody? You just come... And go. The Bible says, do not forsake the assembling. Say not just come together and listen to one sermon. You have, to, you have to build relationships. You have to have friends. 
a, a pastor said years ago, he said, one of the mistakes we make in life is that we only do transactions. We don't build relationships. So transactions means you go in a shop, you buy your bread or whatever you buy, and you leave. Collect your change, and you're gone home. No conversation, no relationship is formed. But what that means is this, and, and I can share an easy one. A friend of mine, nephew, getting a job the other day, and he wants a letter, a recommendation from a JP. So he called me, hey, Pastor, you a JP? No. But you know, JP, I say, yeah, man, who leave? And I remember that there's a gentleman who is also a leader for a uniform group who is a JP. And I called him, hey, sir. One of my instructors is never getting a job and he needs a letter of recognition from a JP. Can you assist? You know him? Yes, sir. What would you recommend? He said, yeah, man. He said, all right, let me check me tomorrow. No, because we have been working together over the years, I could put my name to say, yeah, man, recommend the youth. Now, if I didn't know the youth, I'd say, no, don't do it. So he's going to use his recommendation, his name, because of what I said. Now, that is because of relationship. If I only gone to parades and see him and cut and go home, if there was never a connection, it means I could not have done that. So we have to build relationships. We have to connect. So when we come out, just don't run go yard. I mean, dinner nice, we know, but nobody not eat off your own. Connect, man. Connect. Talk with somebody. Build some relationships as you come to the house of the Lord. Amen? The next one says, be holy. Be set apart. Be different. We, we have to cause a distinction between the saved and the unsaved. People must be able to tell those who are saved and those who are not. So, like I said, holy is not really one religious word. It just means you are different. You are set apart. You're consecrated. You're not like the others. Now, when Christians start to behave like the others, then we have trouble. And one of the things that we note in, in, in life is that nobody ever call out to a bad Christian's church. So they never say, church and Iraq, where are they going now? They never say that. They only say, that's a Christian town. So it means, even if your church not even known. You just get knocking out because you are a Christian as well. So we have to be holy. We have to remain sober in spirit, fixing our hope on God's grace and not conform to the lost. All right? So be holy, be different. And the fifth one, put on the whole armor of God. Put on Truth, put on righteousness, put on peace, the gospel of peace, put on faith, put on salvation, get into God's word and pray. So that's all that comes to the arm of God. You being fully shielded and protected because you are wearing God's armor. It's really about preparation then, ladies and gentlemen. Preparation. God wants us to be holy. That's, that's his sovereign will for us. But we have a responsibility. We have a part to play if this is supposed to become a reality. We can get prepared for action 
prepare our minds for action, and we can obey God. And so, by doing this, we get to spend eternity with God. But we also get to choose not to prepare our minds, not to get ready, not to change, to get transformed, and then we spend eternity without him. Choice is up to you. Choice is up to me. The final question we need to answer then is, where are we prepared to spend eternity? Because there's one or two, you know. Is preparation is all about it. Preparing our minds or refusing to prepare our minds. Preparing to face God are not prepared. Where are we prepared to spend eternity? Really boils down to that. So we looked at how we can do to prepare the mind. We looked at that, right? We study. We renew, the, renew our minds. We are stimulated to love and to, do, and to good works. We be holy and we put on God's armor. That's us preparing our minds for work. That's, that's what we are required to do. Prepare our minds for work. But many times we are lazy and we don't. The enemy is fighting you regardless if you want to fight yes or no. So you can decide to prepare for battle and fight. Or just stop and take leave choice is yours. Where are we preparing to spend our eternity? Amen? Where are you coming or do I I hand to you? Come, sir, please. Let me hand over to our pastor to to, to tie it in for us. Hallelujah. Amen. Come on, just put your hands together for Jesus. And for the obedience of Pastor Ray. Listen, there's a, there's a very old song we used to sing back in the days. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not very young, but I'm not very old. I'm somewhere in between, right? But it's, it's a song that I heard at a funeral, and I always wondered, why would they do a song like this at a funeral? Um, but it comes from Luke chapter 10, verse 16. And Luke chapter 10, verse 16 says, um, if they reject you, they also, if they do not hear you, they don't hear me. And if they reject you, they also reject me and reject he who sent me. And Jesus was speaking to the disciples when he was sending them out. But there's a song, it says, you can't get to heaven without salvation. S-A-L-V-A-T-I-O-N. And I thought to myself, why? That's such an inappropriate song. To, I've gone to one funeral and I heard it. And, I, and the pastor raised the song. And I said, this don't make any sense. But what had happened, and it took me years to figure out what happened, because at that funeral, the person was, was known to be unsaved. And everyone was speaking about, somewhere because he died young, they are going to meet him in heaven. And, I, and the pastor didn't really want to embarrass everybody to say, he's probably going to be elsewhere. So he said, let us sing a song. And he started, you can't get to heaven without salvation. S-A-L-V-A-T-I-O-N. I'm going to go a step further and say this. Nothing spoken about holiness can you ever experience without salvation. S-A-L-V-A-T-I-O-N. 
eye open. Your mind can't be renewed. You can't stimulate. You can't be stimulated for good works. You can't walk in humility without salvation. And so I want you to bow your heads with me this morning and your eyes closed. And that's the opportunity I want to, to present you with this morning. The opportunity to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior. And if you are saved and somehow you have backslidden in your heart or in your practices, that you will recommit your life to him. What sense does it make people um, in their 40s committing suicide? The pressures of life are real. You know, people ending their life thinking that life will be better off. Not knowing that when you end your life, that's it. And Pastor Ray ended with a very good question. Are you preparing for eternity? We are. All of us in here are preparing for eternity. But eternity where? That's the question. Because you get in eternity what you decide in time. We are living in time now. And whatever you decide in time, when you get into eternity, that is what you're going to experience. We don't get to decide in, in eternity. We get to decide in time. Now is your time. Now is your time. What, what are you waiting on? Pastor Ray said it. To get your life together. You, you're, you're 30 odd. And you spent 30 odd years trying to get it together. You probably have an next 35 to live. Maximum or less. Maybe you're 40 and you have been trying to get it together and it's still messed up. Maybe you're 50 and you really have hope of getting your life together. It ain't going to happen. Only Jesus can put the pieces of a broken life back together. So with your heads bowed, this is between you and God. It's not between you and a pastor. I want you to think about that. If you should die today, where would you spend eternity? Right now, if, 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 if God were to walk in this room and say, I am taking all who belong to me with me, would you be left in this room or would you travel with him wherever he's taking you? And this is the most important question you get to answer in time. Your wife's, your wife's salvation can't save you. Your mother's salvation can't save you. Good works cannot save you. Money cannot save you. Fun and entertainment cannot save you. Loving church cannot save you. Good thoughts cannot save you. Good heart cannot save you. Only God can. And so if you have never accepted him, and you know that you know what, I've tried some stuff, but today I want to try Jesus. And maybe you had a relationship with him, and for some reason, that got messed up. There's restoration in the Lord. So with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, if you want to accept him or recommit your life to him, two instructions. I want you to just pray this prayer after me, and then when I'm finished, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart and you pray this prayer, I'm going to give you one further instruction. Just say, Heavenly Father, if, if this is you this morning, just say, Heavenly Father, I am a sinner. I have sinned, Lord. 
I need forgiveness of sin and I need a savior. Only you, come on, just say, only you can save me. I say, today, Lord, I surrender my life to you. Come live in me. Save me from a life of sin. Forgive me of all my sins. Come live in me and be my Lord and my Savior. I believe in your son, Jesus Christ. I believe that he died for my sins. Believe that he was buried. But now he's resurrected and seated at your right hand. Save me, Lord. I need you. As of today, my life is yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, or this is probably hundredth time that you're doing it, but you know you really mean it. Either you were doing it for the first time or you're recommitting, I want to pray for you. All I'm going to ask you to do is to just stand to your feet right where you are so that I can know who I'm praying for. If you pray that prayer, you say, Pastor, you know what? I, I pray that and I mean it this time. Pray for me. I, I need to be covered. I need to be protected. I know that I'm going out there and I'm going to be attacked. And I need the Lord to be with me. If that's you, I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. And I want to pray for you. I want to pray that God will keep you. I want to pray that God will cover you. I want to pray that God will protect you. He says that I'm able to keep that which you have entrusted to me. And if you give your life to him, he can keep it. I've seen women waited all your lives for a man to marry them so that they could give their life to Jesus. And the man walks out of their life and leaves them in more misery. I've seen men dedicated all their resources to women, hoping that one day they would be life partners. And the women walk away and they're left with nothing. I've seen men build up resources and earn a lot of money, doing all kinds of things and build big houses. And they die and they leave it all behind. Wasted by their children and grandchildren. Because at the end of it all, the whole purpose of man is to worship and serve God. And everything else is vanity on top of vanity. I tell people, I, I never feel rejected when I share the gospel because no one can reject me, because no one can accept me, because I can't do anything. It is Jesus that we all will have to answer to. Amen? Come on, just stand to your feet, everybody, this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that the children of God gird their mind, meaning we have a renewed mind. We're not conform, conformed to this world, but we are transformed by the renewing of our mind. We thank you that we will win the battle of our mind. We get rid of everything that is opposing the will of God, goes against the plan of God. 
Lord, we ask you in the name of Jesus to download new information, kingdom information, heavenly information into our minds and our hearts. We pray that we will never be the same in Jesus' name. We thank you for the obedience of the man of God to share your word. Lord God, we pray that you will refresh him as he has refreshed us. Fill him even more. Keep us, Lord God, until we meet again in this space to give you glory and to give you honor and to give you the praise that is due your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Come on, clap your hands for Jesus. Hallelujah. Listen, the worship team is going to take you out with a song of praise.